we do it, and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll see some of them decide to come back to church. When they run into y'all and they see y'all, they have to know that, hey, these guys are okay. I might go try this church out. You know, some churches you go and, and people don't feel welcome. Ours, you feel welcome, right? And uh, So go ahead and pull your sermon notes out. We're starting a series next week called You Make Me Crazy or Don't Make Me Crazy. I haven't figured that out yet, but we got things that make us crazy, right? We have people that make us crazy. I make some people crazy, and uh, mostly my wife. But uh, anyway, uh, but we all have these crazy makers in our life, and so we want to learn how to deal with that. But today, we've been, you know, we talk every week about accepting Jesus and we say a prayer at the end of service and everything, and I want to really talk about what does it mean to be a Christian? What, is, what does a Christian look like? And, and so um, we don't often do it justice, and, uh, and salvation is free. Uh, you know, becoming a Christian is by the grace of God. No, none of us can boast about it. None of us can say, hey, I did this, because God did it all. I mean, you know, look what, what Paul wrote in Ephesians 2. This isn't on your outline. This popped in my brain this morning. Uh, early, and uh, it says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. So when we believed and invited him in, we're saved, okay? He said, you can't take credit for it. It's a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us could boast. I mean, if you could be good enough to make it into heaven on your own, you know, we'd have that walk, right? You know, I mean, you, you know how you can strut, and, and we'd all be, you know, we'd be looking at other people like, you know, I'm living on a better street than you are. And, uh, you know, in, in heaven. But he says this, for it's grace. And then he says this in verse 10, for we're God's masterpiece. Now, I'm going to stop right there. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're God's masterpiece. Now, turn to the one you didn't say that to and say, I'm sorry. <laughs> he, said, he says, you're God's masterpiece. He has created us new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. See, God wants us to do good works. He wants us to do the good things. But we do them out of love for him, out of a response for what he's done in our life. So I mentioned this you know, last week about a stripper that thinks she's a Christian and that God has given her a mission, her ministry is to let you women be free from your sexual inhibitions. And if you got it, flaunt it and, and all that stuff. And she goes online and she's stripping for Jesus. Is what, and they're actually calling her a Christian. Let me tell you, there's way more to being a Christian than saying I'm a Christian, okay? Uh, uh, you know, her behavior does not quite follow up with that. And, uh, but here's the thing. I said this after that. I said salvation is when you give control of your life over to God. Write that down. That's your first blank. Salvation is, is not just a prayer we pray. It's when you throw your hands up. It's when we raise our hands in worship. And you say, God, I surrender to you. I give you control of my life as best I can, God. Does that mean we're going to be perfect? No. But we give him control over our life. Give him control over our decisions. Give him control over how we spend our money, who we hang out with, uh, the things we say and think and do and post on Facebook and stuff like that. Uh, we give him control. We give him control, and that's why Christians are, are referred to as followers of Christ because Jesus says, come follow me, and, and, and so that's what we do, and, and, uh, and that Jesus never hid that there was a cost for following him, okay? It's, 
it's, it's free, and it's, it's simple, but it's not always easy. There's a cost to it. Matter of fact, Paul said it like this. He said, in everything else, yes, everything else is worthless. That means like garbage. And, uh, and actually, one translation says manure. And uh, that's like garbage when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So he says, everything. Now, what is everything for Paul? It was education. He was a Pharisee, a Hebrew of Hebrews from the tribe. Of, he, he was probably wealthy. He had an education. He had standing. He was, he was there at, at the first uh, killing of Stephen. When Stephen was martyred, Paul was a young man holding everybody's coat and cheering them on for killing this Christian. And, and he had standing in the Jewish community, religious community, and, and, uh, and, and he gave all that up. He had family, he had money, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and he said, nothing of that, none of that stuff that I had or who I was compares to knowing Jesus. He wanted to know Jesus above all things. And a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm just trying to find out, I'm trying to find myself, you know, but they never do because they're looking in all the wrong places, right? You don't find yourself at a bar. You don't find yourself playing softball all the time. You don't find yourself, you know, in working all the time. You find yourself in Christ, you know, and, and let me tell you, ever since I met Jesus, I've spent the last 48 years trying to get over myself, you know, and some, some of us, we need to get over ourselves, you know, and, uh, and so I'm, I'm personally the biggest obstacle in my growth in the Lord, and uh, I'm surprised I didn't get a few amens out of that one, but I mean, you know, and, uh, but you know, here's, here's the thing, write this down, it's, it's only the transforming power of the Word of God working through us that we can be a follower of Christ, that's not in your notes, but you want to jot it down. It's only through the transforming power of the Holy Spirit working through the Word of God that we can be a, even be a follower of Christ. See, in 1 John 1, 2, 5 through 6, he says this. He said, but those who obey God's Word truly show how completely they love Him. That is how we know we're living for him. Now, he's saying, you know, a lot of people can say, hey, I love God. I love Jesus. And they're living like the devil. And, and he says, if you love God, if you love God, uh, you know, you're going to obey God's word. That means, you know, that's hard. That means when he tells me to forgive somebody, I'm going to forgive them. When he tells me to stop talking about people, I'm going to stop talking about people. When he tells me to not slander somebody, when he tells me I've got I've to love my enemy, when he tells me I've got to... Whatever it is, I'm going to obey him and obey his word. And that's how, pe- that's, that's, that's how we show that we, we love him. I, I mean, words are cheap. I can, I can say I love you all day, but God's saying, are you doing what I'm telling you to do? He said, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Remember the old braces, what would Jesus do? Man, we should still have those because we need to ask ourselves, is this what Jesus would do? Probably a lot of us would get out of trouble if we, if we did that before we said some stuff or posted or did some stuff. But those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Now, how do we do that? I love Galatians 2.20. Just write the reference down. It's not in your, in your list. Another one that popped in my brain this morning. He said, my old self, Paul said, has been crucified with Christ. My old nature, my sinful old nature, the nature that's selfish, the nature that, that is wanting more, that's all this, this negative stuff, has been crucified with Christ. He said, it's no longer I who live, but 
Christ that lives in me. How do we live the Christian life? How do we live like Jesus? We let him, through the Holy Spirit, live it through us. We've got to die and let him live through us. It's just, it's that simple. Now, is that always easy? No, because we, we, we decide, you know, we want to take it back, you know. And so Paul said, I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm, I'm dead. Christ is living in me. So when we decide to be a follower of Jesus and we start to act and live like Jesus, that's when we start growing as a Christian. And, and we do this by allowing God to transform us. It's a metamorphosis. We come from one thing to another. We allow God to transform us and, and from where we are because he loves us right where we are. doesn't matter who you are, where you are. He loves you in a crack house. He loves you wherever you are, but he's not going to leave you there. He's going to move us to where he wants us to be. And, and so he begins to transform us. So what are the characteristics of a follower? I want to look at a few of those. So write this down. A follower of Jesus has a transformed mind. Follower of Jesus has a transformed mind. It may pop up there when they wake up back there. I don't know. <laughs> Write that down. Why do we need a transformed mind? Because our minds are contaminated. That's why. I mean, so Paul said in Romans, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. So when we let our sinful nature control our mind, I mean... It leads to death. When, in other words, when we're letting lying be part of our life, stealing be part of our, you know, gossiping kills our relationships, when we slander others, when we, you know, when we're holding on to grudges, when we're, we're uh, involved in substance abuse or different addictions and things like that, you know, that's that old sinful nature. I want more. You know, and that's what most of us do. You know, we, somebody said, somebody one time said, Christianity, that just brainwashes people. Well, folks... I'm here to tell you my brains needed washing. And, uh, you know, because we're, we have dirty brains, filthy brains. Jeremiah said the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. And uh, we've got we've to know that. Look at your neighbor and tell them their brains need to be washed. Somebody look at Andre. He don't have anybody sitting by him. Tell him his brains need to be washed, all right? He must have known I was going to say that, so he sat by himself. <laughs> He changes us. He, you know, we, we, we need our brains transformed. He said, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. You know, when you're, when you're allowing the Holy Spirit to control your thoughts, your, your emotions, you can lay down at night and you've got peace. You've got peace in your life. In Romans, Paul said this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Now think about that. He said, don't, don't try and, you know, too often, you know, we'll see... See, kids, you see it in youth. Well, they're dressing a certain way. And you're going, oh, my goodness, your mama let you out of the house dressed like that. And, and, and they're going, well, everybody's doing it. Well, we need to set the standard. He said, don't copy the behavior and patterns of this world. What are some of the behaviors? Well, I mean, you know, it's trying to be like everybody else is one of them, lying to get what we want. That's what our culture does, isn't it? Uh, you know, uh, slander, uh, you know, cancel culture. You know I mean? Uh, we... we have to have a relationship. Some, you know, the culture says, unless you're in a relationship, you know. And so we have people go from one bad relationship to another bad relationship to another bad relationship to another bad relationship we, because we're trying to conform to this cultural thing. Don't copy all that. Don't do what feels good. I mean, you know, 
This world is all there is. Let me tell you, this world isn't all there is. There's a heaven and there's a hell. And we're, gonna, we're eternal beings, and it's just, it, let me tell you, it's about location, location, location. Because heaven is a prepared place for prepared people, and hell is not. You can do anything go to hell. You have to love Jesus to go to heaven. And so you're going to live eternally. It's just about where. You know, so don't, don't fall into that thinking this is all there is. You know, that there's no absolutes. You know, that's our culture, a big thing. No trust. Everybody's angry. Drive over the G&O and see. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, all these things. Sexual immorality is rampant. He says don't copy all that, but let God transform you. Underline transform. He let God transform you. That means to change you. It's like a, it's like a caterpillar changing into a butterfly. You go from one thing to another. It's metamorphosis. It's a, it's a metamorphize you into a new person. And here's how he does it, by changing the way you think. By changing the way you think. You see, we've got to get in the Word of God. Let him change the way we think. The more I read the Bible, the more he changes the way I think about all kinds of things. He changes the way you think about your sin, about, about who God is and what he wants in your life. And, and you begin to allow God to, and then you start to know his will. Listen, I've been, I've been in ministry for 30 years, pastored for a while now. And one thing I know, too many of us let our minds become a garbage dump. We let our brains be a garbage dump where people just dump garbage. And we, and we dump stuff in there too. We dump past failures. You might have failed at a job. You might have failed in a relationship. You might have failed as a, as a parent or you feel like you did. You know, we let bad information dump in our brains. We let broken down relationships, broken down experiences enter and, and just dump and become part of a landfill in our mind. We let all this negative self-talk. And, and, and that's one of the things we all fight. I used to, when I'd take my daughter to school, I'd forget her lunch money. And I'd drive all the way to work thinking, you are the worst parent in the world. And, you know Why? Because it's a garbage dump. We just allow that stuff to dump in there. And it, it becomes this place where we just put broken things, failures, and we try and camouflage that part of our lives. And it keeps us from becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus because we want to allow him to clean up that garbage dump. And, um, and so, yeah, you, you might be saved, but you're still miserable. <laughs> you might be saved, but you're still uh, experiencing spiritual defeat. And too often, uh, people who are allowing their minds to be a garbage dump expect their lives to be blessed by God, yet they're allowing all this negativity in to stay. And, and it just... And it's like garbage from the past landfill. We just fill it up. Just keep filling it up. We need to let Jesus clean it out. You ever notice how much luggage people take on a trip? Don't look at me. I carry one bag. And a, usually an empty one for Pastor Kathy when she goes shopping or something when we're gone. But, but uh, you know, uh, but people carry, I mean, like, lots of luggage. And, uh, and, and so... And, and you're almost too tired by the time you get to where you're going to do anything, right? And, and that's what it is. We carry all this baggage around with us. Hurts, hang-ups, stuff from the past. And it wears us out. We can't serve God. We don't have a joy in the Lord we, we're, because we're carrying hurt and anger and stuff from the past. And, and so we get stuck in the past. And, uh, and whether it's a bad experience, you know, serving God is now just another failure. Because you feel so bad because of all this baggage and self-talk you've got. And, uh, and, 
And uh, y'all are real quiet, so I must be stepping on some nerves. But listen, as a follower of Jesus, we need to understand that these things can hinder us. And following Jesus isn't a quick fix to your problems. Because it, it, you it took a whole life for you to get in this mess. It takes a little while to get out of it. When I go work out, I have to say, look, you didn't get to be round like this overnight. You're not going to look like Andre overnight either. You know So I mean? You know, it's, it's like, you know. It's like you, you start doing enough sit-ups, and all of a sudden you start thinking, it's not changing, and I'm not going to be able to get out of bed in the morning. You know? and, and so, you know, but, but it takes a while to get us back into shape. It takes us a while to allow God to clean this out. Here's how it works. You might jot this down in a blank spot. God kicks it off. God draws us into a relationship with him. He draws us. The Bible says if Jesus didn't draw us, we, wouldn't, we couldn't even have that relationship with him. And so you, you feel that tug on your heart. I felt that tug years ago when, when I knew God was tugging me and I got involved in something called Campus Life at the time. And, and there was something in a guy that I, I wanted that I didn't have. And, and so God kicks that off. And, and then, um, then what happens is you make Jesus the Lord of your life. You say, okay, Lord, I surrender. And, and he becomes Lord of your life, which releases the Holy Spirit's power in your life. And one of the things the Holy Spirit does when he's in our, in our lives is he makes us sensitive to sin in our life. And so then you, you give him, you confess that sin to God. And what does Jesus do when we confess sins? He forgives us of our sin, right? And so we confess that sin. It might be, might be prejudice. It might be greed. It might be whatever. And, and I give that to God, and he becomes Lord of that area of my life and strengthens that area, and then, then, then the Holy Spirit's power is released. He's strengthening me in this area, but he's saying, okay, Robert, now we need to work on this area of your life. And it's this circle where you, he'll, he'll say, okay, we took care of greed, now we're going to take care of meanness. And then, and then you go around over here, and he says, now we're going to take care of, of lust. Now we're going to take care of selfishness. Now, and, and so you're just on this continual life journey of God uh, I should have shown that chisel video, chiseling little pieces off of us and, and making us into his, into his image. And the cycle continues. And we won't be fully cleansed. I mean, we're fully cleansed in a spiritual way because he makes our spirits holy and right with God. But we won't be uh, pure in a, in a physical way until we are with Jesus in heaven. Then we will see him as he is and we will be white as snow, washed white as snow. And, and so, but until then, it's a, it's a journey, and we allow God to take these little things. It doesn't matter how, now, here's the goal, is my bad things aren't as bad as they used to be, you know, thank, somebody should have said amen, my wife should have said amen to that, and, uh, you know, and, and so it gets better and better, and then, and then so we, we do that, and so, uh, you know, God will cleanse us, he'll, he'll make us. Uh, white as snow in a spiritual sense, and we need to allow him to begin doing that in our minds so that we're no longer letting our brains be a garbage dump for all the negativity in our life. So a passionate disciple of Christ will no longer allow garbage to be stored in our life. And so we've got to have a transformed mind. Another thing, a follower of Jesus receives a transformed heart. We receive a transformed heart. See, in our culture today, people get too busy to go all in to follow Jesus. I mean, uh, to follow Jesus, you've got to have your heart decided to follow Jesus. I mean, most people, most people don't want to follow. They want to be leaders, right? 
See, I don't want to follow Jesus. I want to be my own leader. I want to be, I want to be sitting in the driver's seat. I don't like riding in the passenger seat. I always tell kids when I do a thing, I say, name three things you have on you that say something about you, and I always pull out my keys. They say, oh, you got a nice car? I said, no, it's not because of that. I had control when I come and go. But you see what, what we've got to do is we've got to put Jesus over there holding the keys. And we've got to let him be in the, in the driver's seat. And, 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 but we don't do that because we want to be in charge. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 11 about being in charge of your own life. He said, take my yoke upon you. Now, yoke is a, is a wooden harness that two animals are put in to pull. And, uh, and so in the Old Testament, the law was a yoke. And it was a tough yoke. It was a heavy yoke. It was a burdensome yoke. And, and so it was, a, it was very difficult. But Jesus is saying, take my yoke. And he's, he said, because it's easy. Not because it's going to be a free ride, but it'll be easy if we'll let him carry the load because they would put a weak oxen with a strong oxen. And that strong one would strengthen the weak one as he pulled him along. And that's what we are with Jesus. We get in that yoke and we allow him to pull us along. And then he goes on and says, let me teach you, let me teach you how to live is what he's saying and how to walk with me because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you'll find rest for your souls if we're yoked up with him. He said, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Then he said this, God blesses those, in Matthew 5, 8, God blesses those whose hearts are pure for they will see God. See, First of all, your heart's made pure spirit in the spirit realm when you receive Christ. Everything is forgiven. You've been, you've been restored to right relationship with Jesus. Your, your heart's pure. But he's also talking here about your heart is pure. And he's talking about somebody that's morally pure, honest, sincere, committed to the Lord. And, and he says because of this, you'll be able to see God. You know, Now we see God through the eyes of our faith, but one day we're going to see God face to face. And so he's saying God blesses those whose hearts are pure. And then, and then uh, you know, he goes on to talk about a, a fruit tree doesn't produce vegetables. I mean, anybody got a fruit tree? We got a lemon tree, and I've never gotten a tomato off of it. You know, but, um, you know, it says this, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. So we've got to have that heart transformation. He said, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And what you say flows from what's in your heart. And so we've got we've to allow a heart transformation. There's a, a pastor and writer named Dwight Pentecost that said this. You can sum up following Jesus in three words. Curious, convinced, and committed. Curious, convinced, and committed. See, a curious, uh, curious con convinced, and committed. A follower of Jesus is going to be curious. You're going to be curious about what Jesus has. When I read the word of God, it's like, what are you going to tell me today? What, what do you have for me today? What, do I, what am I going to learn about you today? And, uh, and so you continue to investigate and, and you study. and not, You don't just read, you study and you read commentary and you look at, at Greek and different translations and stuff like that. And then, then the next thing he says, a, a follower of Jesus will be convinced. A follower of Jesus will be convinced or convicted. You're going to be convinced of your sin, of your sin. You're going to be convinced of your sin. And, and, and as you read God's word, when I'm reading God's word, I'm going, oh, God, don't let me be this person. Don't let me do that. Lord, help me to, to not be this person. Help me to be this person. You're going to be convinced of your sin, and, and, and you'll make a transformational lifestyle change. You see, 
a true Christian, you're, you're convinced of what you need to do through the Word of God. And you'll begin to, your desires will begin to line up with the desires God has for you and, and from biblical Christianity. We used to, I used to go to a church where the pastor would say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And, uh, and, and, and you know, and that's, that's the case. God said it, I believe it, so that settles it. And then he says a follower, Pentecost says a follower of Jesus will be committed follower of Jesus is committed to the teaching, uh, the proclamation and personal application of the Word of God. In other words, we live it and we share it. We live it and we share it. You know, a study conducted several years ago showed that only 10% of evangelical Christians live lives different from non-Christians. That's pathetic, isn't it? Only 10% of Christians live a life that's different than uh, non-Christians. And so they determined at that point that Sunday school was no longer working. Sunday school's a failure. It's not discipling people. It's not helping. So it went to small groups. And a study a few years after that showed that only 9% of evangelical Christians live lives. Didn't get any better. It got worse. So it hadn't worked. See, the problem's not Sunday school. The problem's not small groups. Uh, there are churches that do both of these real well. The problem is a problem of the heart. See, every week that we're feeding you with wonderful Bible truths and knowledges and principles, and, but a lot of people don't receive a transformation of the heart, a transformation of spirit. Now, you know, it, 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 because that doesn't just come from sitting here. You know, I, I can teach biblical truth, but life change comes by the work of the Holy Spirit in you. Holy Spirit, making you that good soil to receive what God's saying. And you know, the truth that God may say to you today may not even be what I'm preaching about, but something I say triggers a rhema word from God in you for your life. Listen, we want our church to be a church and all of our ministries and groups to have an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit can move and work in people's lives. Now, I'm not talking about crazy. I'm, I'm not talking about crazy, but I'm talking about the Holy Spirit's power in our lives to change who we are, what we think, what we say, and what we do to make us more Christ-like. Wouldn't that be good? Yes. All right. Y'all came back to life on me. That's good. We want to see God working in people's lives. And, uh, and we want to know uh, how he works. We want, to, we want to see the Holy Spirit bring non-believers and non-growing Christians into an active, refreshing Rich and satisfying life in Christ. I love the, the New Living Translation of John 10.10. 10. Jesus came to give us a rich and satisfying life. I like that a whole lot better than the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. And, uh, and so we want to do that. And so we want to see that. Uh, we, need to, we need to help mentor, whether it's through groups and, or through services. It's one reason we eat together is we... We get around and talk, but those conversations can come deep because somebody will share a need, and then other people can help them. But we've got to set the example by, by experiencing a radical heart transformation ourselves. People, and in other words, I can't take somebody where I'm not there. And, and so we've got, to, we've got to experience that radical heart transformation in our lives. Am I showing the fruit of the Spirit? Am I showing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, Self-control. Am I showing those in my life? I can talk a good game, but if you don't see those things in my life and somebody doesn't see them in your life, 
then you're not living the way Christ wants you to live because that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in us. I mean, I can, I can come in here and speak in tongues. I can lay hands on this. But if you don't see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control in my life, then, then that's not the Holy Spirit working in my life. We've got we, we've to we've let people see that God has done something and doing something in us. That will create a hunger. When I saw in John Elder something I didn't have, he, he was exhibiting those fruit of the Spirit. He was exhibiting that, and, I, and it drew me to him. I wanted what he had. I wanted what he had. I didn't have that. And it was a relationship with Christ. It was the work of the Spirit in him. And unfortunately, too often, we get caught up in the busyness and the worries and, and the conflicts of life that we neglect living an abundant life full of joy, filled with a passion for Jesus. Let me tell you, if you're feeling kind of kind of lame and powerless, we just need to get passionate for God. The Revelation says we need to go back to where we were when we first got saved. Y'all remember uh, when you first got saved? We, uh, we were meeting with a guy this week. He just got saved last week. He said, I'm sorry, I'm so excited. How do I control my excitement? I said, don't control it. Let it go. I mean, stay this way for 20 years. I mean, you know, or for him, more than 20. He's young, but... Uh, uh, you know, let it roll, you know, and, and so we need to go back to that. I'm reminded, uh, you know, there was a logger one time that told himself he needed to stop and sharpen his saw. He was chopping this, this log up, and he kept saying, I need to chop, sharpen my saw, but he continued to cut anyway. And by the end of the day, as night began to fall, he sat exhausted next to a sizable pile of uncut wood. This man wasn't stupid. He knew what he was doing. But he saw he needed to sharpen his saw, but he also knew the more he cut, the duller his blade would get. But he couldn't bring himself to stop and sharpen his saw. Now, how many of you are like that guy? Too often, we've been like that guy where we want to keep going, keep going. As a church, we've, we've kind of stopped and sharpened the saw a little bit, and, and we're, now it's time we want to keep rolling. We want, we're looking for what God wants us to do, and, and individually, Every now and then, you've got to stop and sharpen that saw. You may have a, a, a week of vacation that's a spiritual retreat or something, but, but we've got to sharpen that saw. But too often, the pursuit of task, I'm task-driven. I mean, i got a list. I want to check it off, you know. And, uh, and so, uh, and, and I'm frustrated when I'm not working on that. And, but we've got to, sometimes you just take time. You take time to do something that's totally unrelated to what, what it is that, that you do. It might be a hobby. You know, you might be golfing, although, you know, golfing is not necessarily relaxing when you play it the way I play it. Uh, you know, it might be, uh, you know, fishing or hunting or whatever, you know, but you've got to sharpen that saw. And uh, so if we're going to maintain spiritual health and grow in our spiritual lives and remain faithful followers of Christians, we've got to go through a radical transformation of the heart. Look at this. A heart that has experienced radical transformation will never be satisfied when the spiritual journey begins to stagnate. So what happens? That spiritual journey begins to stagnate. doesn't mean that they go church hopping because I'm not getting, quote, fed at this church because you won't get fed at the next church and you won't get fed at the next church after that. What that means is that they'll be broken by their own sinfulness. And they'll realize that if, if anything is good is to come, it's only because of God's grace working in them and through them. 
You see, we, we don't get satisfaction in personal recognition. We realize that God is the one who blesses us. I love that song. I'm just a nobody trying to, I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to tell you the word. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. Isn't that a cool song? And then uh, Steve might could sing it, but not me. So let me tell you, if you've never had that heart transformation, a heart overhaul, you've probably been extremely frustrated in your spiritual life and with spiritual things, and you're, you're maybe not experiencing a lot of growth because we've got to allow a heart transformation. Uh, you know, a lot of us need to grow. We need to, it's called sanctification, becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. So write this down. If you have a heart transformation, you will desire to grow as a follower of Jesus. If you have a heart transformation, you will desire to grow as a follower of Jesus. Warren Wiersbe, who's a very brilliant man, I got to meet him one time, and he said, to deny self does not mean to deny things. It means to give yourself wholly to Christ and share in his shame and death. In other words, we're going to share in Christ. And so we often tell our kids to grow up. Anybody besides me ever told your young child, Grow up. Some of y'all better parents. Okay, we've told them that. Now, when they're 40, it's all right to tell them that, okay? You know, it's, like, it's like, hey, bud, it's time for you to grow up. But, but you know what? We tell them to do something they can't do because they hadn't been there. And so as parents, we raise them up. And so we want to help raise each other up to go. we got people in this, in this building that are very, have had very, are very mature in their walk with the Lord and others who aren't. And we have people that can help you, and you can help others in your walk with the Lord. And, uh, and so you might run into somebody that's been further down the path than you are, and they can help you, uh, you know. And, and uh, we've got the same thing with, with parenting. We've got some of us have made it through. Somebody say amen. amen. And uh, my grandson started college this week. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, you know, and then, but you know what? You might have a teenager at home. You might have, you, you know. And so we got people here that have made it through, can help you with that, and, and can help you along your spiritual journey as well. Now, a follower of Jesus, write this down. A follower of Jesus will also have a transformed lifestyle. So not only is he going to transform our minds, he's going to transform our hearts, our lifestyle is going to change. Paul said this in Ephesians 4, he said, throw off your old sinful nature. That's called Repentance. That means I'm going to turn away from what my sins are and turn towards, uh, back towards God. And uh, throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. So we've got to get rid of that. And, and so, you know, that's that cycle I was telling you earlier. It's, a, it's an ongoing thing. I can't get rid of every bad thing in my life at once. Some of it I don't even realize. But I can get rid of something that God's called that. God's brought to mind, and, and I'm giving that to God, and, and we're going to move on. And, uh, and so then he says, instead, let the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on your new nature to be created by, by, to be created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So we put off that old nature, and we let the Spirit, who renews us? The Holy Spirit renews us. We allow the Spirit, sometimes... It's just like we want to do it ourselves. You know, we're going, we're going to work and try hard to do it ourselves. And, and, uh, and we allow the Spirit to do it through us. And the Word of God will begin to change our thinking. 
which will change our lives. And Paul said it like this, so put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of the world. And he goes on in Colossians 3, verse 7, he said, You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of all this, time to get rid of anger and rage and malicious behavior and slander and dirty language. He says, get rid of all that. Get rid of all that. And then look at Colossians 3, verses 12. He says, since God chose you to be his holy people he loves, set apart to be his, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make, look at this one. Make allowance for each other's faults. You think our world would be a little bit better if we make a little bit of allowance for each other's faults? And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. Listen, it, it doesn't matter what else I'm doing. If I'm not doing these things, there's no evidence that I'm a follower of Christ. And uh, I know it's easy, it's easy to sound spiritual. It's tougher to live it out. And if these actions aren't part of our lives, we're not following Jesus. So getting over ourselves is the biggest obstacle that we've, we've got to do. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 7. He said, not everyone calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. See, some people are thinking that coming to church makes it okay. Some people think, hey, I've been in church all my life. Well, you know, I walk through my garage every day, and I'm not a car. You know, and, uh, and, and so, but, you know, only those who do the will of the Father in heaven, the first part of his will is for us to receive his Son as our Lord and Savior. And it goes on from there. On Judgment Day, many will say, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, cast out demons, and perform miracles in your name? And I'll reply, never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. We've got to have that relationship with Jesus. It's interesting. Those that called Lord, Lord, thought they were okay. They, they knew the lingo. I grew up knowing the, the lingo. I've been part of a couple different denominations. I'm multilingual. I mean, you know, and, uh, and, and all. And, and so I spent a lot of time working in Youth for Christ, de-churching my language, you know, so that somebody could understand it. And, uh, and so we've got we've to find, we've got to uh, allow Jesus to work in us, uh, you know, and cleanse us. Write this down. Being a disciple of Christ means living a transformed lifestyle. I've got to allow him to transform my lifestyle. Surveys or polls have shown that those who call themselves Christians are just as likely to be divorced, have purchased lottery tickets, watched R or X-rated movies and become addicted to pornography, live with someone outside marriage, do business in an ungodly way, or use alcohol as much as their non-Christian counterpart. Folks, we need to look different than the rest of the world. We need to look and live different. So he says, put off that former lifestyle. That's what he's saying. Put off your former lifestyle. Put to death my earthly desires. Put to death my selfishness, my desire to get ahead, all that stuff. See, we've got it easy in our country. A missionary one time said this. In our country, the USA, we talk about commitment. He said, but out on the mission field in other countries, they talk about sacrifice because many of them sacrifice their lives. We've got Christian brothers and sisters being killed right now in Afghanistan, in China, in Iran in different places, wherever they get called. We don't have to worry about that, for most of us will never be asked to die for him. 
but we've got we've to be willing to sacrifice. Are you willing to sacrifice your plans for his, your desires for his? Are you willing to do that? See, Jesus said this, and I'm fixing to land this airplane. Jesus said this in Luke. He said, a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and he said to them, if anyone wants to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children. A lot of people think Jesus is saying you've got to hate your parents and your family. He says, no, by comparison of your love to me, you've got to hate your, everyone else, your father, mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, your own life. Otherwise, you can't be my disciples. That's what Paul was saying. Everything else is garbage except for knowing him. He said, you cannot carry your cross and follow me. And if you, carry, if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Now, the people he was saying this to knew that when you carried a cross, your, old, your life was over. When you were carrying, that was the way the Romans executed people. We used the gas chamber or chemical injection. We used to use electric chair. The cross was the execution style of the Romans. It was cruel. It was torturous. And it was terrible. And your life was over when you're carrying that cross out there. He said, if you don't carry your own cross and follow me, in other words, give up your past, you can't be my disciple. Then he said, don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin a construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to, to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's that person who started building that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go against to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the army of 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. He said, so you cannot be my disciple without giving everything up you own. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how can it be made salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil before the manure pile is thrown away, and anyone who hears should hear. Listen, he said, we've got to put away our past in full commitment to him, full commitment to him. And, and, uh, and, and, and we've got to, just like carrying your cross, you're saying farewell to your old life. When we accept Christ, we're saying farewell to that old life. So write these down. I know some of y'all looking at there's three more blanks. A disciple will have a transformed mind, a transformed heart, and a transformed lifestyle. See, when we live our lives, we'll, when we live our lives our way, we're going to fail every single time. But when we live it God's way, we can have a rich and satisfying life. Now, I want to tell you this. When you make that commitment, it's putting a target on your back. 